This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design. The kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer. Hello and welcome to the final episode of Rugby World Cup Weekly, our flagship weekly review show from France 2023. It was gut-wrenching, it was enthralling, it was memorable, it was historic. But the 2023 Rugby World Cup finally came to an end last night as South Africa became the men's game's first four-time victors. Andre Pollard's four first-half penalties was enough to see the Rainbow Nation to victory in the Stade de France. Joining me tonight to look back on the tense tussle and the tournament at large is the jubilant Rian Lowe and the knowledgeable Hugh Griffin and David Cordial. So welcome on, lads. Has it? Has it? Has it? I guess. See, I've got my Springbok socks on. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very happy. For those in, for those in podcast form, Rian has South Africa jerseys, South Africa socks and... Has I've made got a South a African nice mug little, here as well. <laughs> a South African mug, and he's put four logos, four cup trophies as his as his header name there on Zoom as well. So if you didn't know, four-time champion South Africa. And I'll start with yourself <laughs> again. Firstly, congrats to our, our URC friends and brothers. How are how is yourself and the nation feeling today? Oh, I, I can't speak for everyone. Myself, I'm exhausted. Slightly hungover and um, relieved, very relieved. Uh, there was this just feeling, this pit in my stomach of we might not be world champions by the end of this weekend. And I wasn't ready to deal with that. I don't have to deal with it for another four years. So <laughs> very, very relieved. And I'm pretty sure everyone around me in my neighborhood is also hungover because when that final whistle went last night, I'll, I'll, I live in a little valley and it exploded. It was firecrackers. It was music, cars hooting, people shouting. Um, this whole town just exploded. The entirety of Joburg. I went around Joburg yesterday and there were roadblocks, concerts. Everything was set up for, for last night. And it was a huge, huge jaw. Very, very good time. It's it's one thing about a South African win and Sia Khaleesi kind of made a reference to it is it does kind of inspire a nation and you have to mm. you have to stand back every once in a while. Maybe not if you're a New Zealand fan today, but you do have to stand back every once in a while and realise these things are good for a sport. It's good for the when we try to check the pulse on how fans receive these things. And Hugh, the other side of it is New Zealand did put up a great fight. It made for a really intense final. But I, 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 we have to talk about the game itself. Do you think the better team won, not just the better team last night, but the better team across the tournament? It's a great question. Obviously, both teams lost a pool match against uh, what you might say were the top seeds in their pool. So obviously, All Blacks lost to France and Box lost to Ireland just. Um, did the better team win it? I don't want to be one of those guys who just comes on and just reads the stats aloud and that counts as analysis because it, it doesn't. But if you do look at the stats, New Zealand had a, had the better of it in a lot of them. So whether it's uh, line outs, meters made, post-contact meters made, line breaks or anything like that, the All Blacks uh, 
were top. And I think the All Blacks did more with the ball in the game, despite being down to 14 men. Uh, so, I th- and you have to remember that the All Blacks scored a try, the box didn't. And across the whole World Cup, I think the All Blacks conceded two tries against France, two against Italy, and uh, three against Ireland. And that was it in terms of tries conceded. I think if you go back to the beginning of the rugby championship as well, I think the All Blacks went something like three halves of rugby without conceding a try. So did the best team win it? Scoreline says yes. I think no one could have complained, though, if one of those two uh, last kicks on the All Blacks, whether it was the conversion or Geordie Barrett's kick, if one of those had gone over, you couldn't call it a robbery. So I, I think both teams were well worth the win. It's very rare, really, you know, even whether it's club rugby or test match rugby, it's very rare that you get evenly matched teams. There's a lot of mismatches in the game of rugby union. So to find two that were pretty much each other's equals is a rare treat, really. And as you said, it was kick of a ball, bounce of a ball, and that's what makes a difference. And David, you were another who shaped New Zealand this week. And like, that's the thing. It was literally kick of a ball, a bounce of a ball. But as well as that, it is testament to the players, the coaches, the the officials that a 12-11 game had this incredible energy and this incredible tension to it. Yeah, it was it was unbelievable. Um, I went out with some friends to watch it, and um, there was a strong South African contingent there. Um, so it was it was a lot of fun. But it was look, it was as tight as it could be. Um, there were several moments in that game where it seemed uh, it could tip, you know, towards one team or the other. Um, I had said previously I thought that South Africa would lose out to France in the quarters, but they won there also by an incredibly narrow margin. Um, but this is the third game in a row that South Africa won by a single point. To do it once, you're lucky. To do it twice, you're really lucky. But if you do it three times, you have to just take off your hat and say, this is a team that knows how to win. And they can do it by scoring tries like they did against France. They can do it by taking their points when they need you against England or um, or the All Blacks. So I think, you know, if the question comes up, is it the best team that won? I think it was the team that, if you look at their body of work, it, it should be less of a surprise to some of us that they did win because this is just a team that, that knows how to get the job done. That's exactly what it is. And that was going to be my next question for Ian anyway, because mm-hmm. I felt like this is going to be something we talk about. Like South Africa, not just under Erasmus and Nina Bear, but for years, they just know how to get the job done. David referenced three straight one-point wins. Like, yeah, luck is a factor when it's a one-score game, but they just know how to grind it out when they need to. Yeah, it's uh it's it's a thing that we love about our rugby is those real hard, hard tests. The harder the test, the harder we go at it. So if you keep putting up a wall, we will keep running hard at it to try and to try and get through it. It's just the nature of the rugby we play. But Yes, we can say that the best team win. Are we lucky? Aren't we lucky? It's there's if we replay the World Cup um, now, it's very possible that New Zealand could win it. It's very possible that France could win it. It's very possible that Ireland could win it. It's just um, luck is a good factor, and I think maybe in this team because they've been there before, they've done it before. We've got so much experience. I think. Those little one percenters is what just pushed us over the edge this time. So 
Um, a lot of us didn't think we'd get this far because France is so good, because Ireland are so good. Um, we we have been matching New Zealand lately. We're not as scared of them anymore. And I'm just I'm just so happy. The 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 last three weeks I've gotten so old. I can't take this anymore. Um our our nation, we we all wear, you know, Apple Watches and stuff. Our, we have a very big medical aid company in our country. And they say for like the last three weeks, they've been tracking the heart rate of the country and it's been like dangerous levels for a lot of people. They've been telling people, calm down countrywide, please just relax. It's terrible what you're putting yourself through. So um, I'm just happy it's over. And yeah, I'm just glad we were man- managed to use our experience, our grit and our love of just that hard match to win. So happy. <laughs> well, you, you can use the the word happy or, or synonyms of it as much as you want tonight. That's the perfectly loud. <laughs> and I did make the comment, like even I was stressed watching it. Granted, because of the monster connection, it wasn't a full neutral party, but like... If that was Ireland in a 12-11 World Cup final in the last kick of the game, I don't know how I'd have managed. <laughs> Never mind, you know, all of yourselves. And Hugh, like, it was, yes, it was tight. It went down to the last minute, but that wasn't the moment we'll remember. Unfortunately, it was the red card um, to Sam Kane. And, like, barring some league enthusiasts, it feels like we all agree it was red. Even if you feel for Kane on a personal level, it's hard to say it wasn't a red card. Uh, absolutely not. He's got no excuse because it's not like he was stood on his heels and uh, Creel's run into him. He, he's gone for him and he's not bent. It would have, if you he had he had tons of space, he could have bent at the hips and put a legal shot and probably put in a fantastic legal shot on him. But he's chosen not to. Obviously, someone pointed out to me before that he also got yellow carded in the Super Rugby uh, final. Uh, just just gone this year as well, in which the Chiefs lost that game as well. I just wonder whether this is a uh, a legacy of the Super Rugby twenty minute yellow card, twenty minute red card. Sorry, where it's just not changing the behaviours, and it gives the impression that in the Southern Hemisphere, well, for the Super Rugby teams anyway, it the the emphasis on the change of behaviour hasn't been as strong as it has been uh, up here. So yeah, no argument for me that it was a red. Um, like I said, he had every opportunity to make a, a legal hit. And I think just generally on Wayne Barnes, if we're going to talk about Wayne Barnes, I've seen some people on Twitter talking about he had a bad game. I, I had no problem with Wayne Barnes' performance or any of his decisions in the match, to be honest. Yeah, no, I, I'd agree. Um, David, I might bring you in on that one. We all felt it was red card. I'm, I'm sure you know, you're know you usually of the same mind of me about these 20-minute red cards and red, high tackles being red cards it did feel like it was the correct call. And as well as that, despite what some people say, certainly didn't ruin the game either or or change shape of it to that great of a degree. No, it didn't. I Look, I think it was, as you said yourself, you have to feel for Kane to be in a situation like that. Uh, it's just gutting, particularly as the captain. Mm-hmm. Um, I suppose the flip side of that is that the reason that we're trying to take um, hits like that out of the game is because of the incredible negative effect they can have on the tackle player. If you flipped it for a second and looked at another player who missed out on a significant amount of the World Cup final, that would be Bongi Mbanambi. And that was through absolutely no fault of his own. Now, I know 
it was Shannon Brazel who was penalised for that and it eventually ended up just being yellow. But the reason we want to take tackles like Keynes out of the game, the reason we want to penalise people like Frizzell for what he did is because, yes, it is tough to miss out on a full match as the captain. But if, you, if you're missing, we will, I would much prefer the person to miss out to be the person who's who's putting the dangerous hits like that rather than the player who is the innocent player on the other side. So while I feel for Kane, I definitely thought it was the right decision. And I I think you know people have done breakdowns about the, the points differential when it comes to red cards. I've just noticed anecdotally that there obviously is the dip that you suddenly have to go 14 against 15 for a lot of the game. There were subsequent yellow cards to or to Colby afterwards, so it did balance for a time. But I've also noticed then that, that teams can get almost like a, a kick up the ass from a red card, especially for in the in the minutes immediately following it, you want to make sure that it doesn't impact the game. So, I think on balance, the referee might made the right decision, and I definitely don't think it it ruined the game. Absolutely, I think it was friend of the pod, Francisco Isaac, who who threw out the comment about red cards ruining games, and people did not realize it was complete sarcasm <laughs> I saw <that>. because, <laughs> like, it was so clearly sarcasm from him. Um, <laughs> And like it's it's true. It's a lot of the time games with red cards are more entertaining. Sometimes it's because it's the better team sometimes get red carded and it is leveler, mm-hmm. but that's not always the case. Sometimes it is, you know, just two tight teams and even with one man less doesn't make a difference. And I'll come back to you, David, because one man that we should talk about is the other man wearing number seven. I think Genuinely, there might have been three Peter Steph to toys on the pitch last night because he was everywhere. He was hitting everything. I think some of the tackles he made, he'd have knocked the Eiffel Tower. That's how good he was. What a performance from the flanker. He was he was like a force of nature. I mean, there were so many occasions over the course of that game where it looked like New Zealand were about to generate go-forward ball and the, the ball carrier would just be crumpled by um, Steph to toys just flying out of the line. I, in particular, noticed... And I'm like, this is not uncommon for a, a flanker to to pick this guy as a target, but he seemed to particularly have uh, Richie Mwanga's number, and he was just sh- shutting him down every chance he get. And I, and I think in a game like that, particularly with a team like the All Blacks, who are very fun to throw on the ball around, to have a player like Steph Detroit who can put in these massive legal, completely legal hits, <laughs> legal bent yeah. over, yeah, <laughs> exactly, you know. When, when someone who can put in heads of that strength and do it legally, you really lose all excuses um, on the side of the players who don't. I think his targeting of Mwanga and his his ability to 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 shut down so much of that goal forward ball really crippled New Zealand's attempts to to try and generate the kind of passing uh, phases that they like to. So, yeah, I, look, I thought he was brilliant, and it's it's no surprise that it comes from you know someone like him. He's a f- former World Player of the Year, but I think in particular in games like this, it's it's when difference makers like him stand up. Um, that's what that's what you need to give a team an edge in a, in a game that is decided by a single point. So yeah, I thought I thought he was just incredible. Two line breaks. Completely agree. Yeah, not to mention. Yeah, yeah. went yeah. down the top, sideline. <laughs> top top line breaks in the game. Two, no yeah. one else got. He went off the he went off the Geordie Barrett as well, which is something I thought the the box would do because Moanga doesn't have as long a clearing kick. His clearing kicks are sometimes only about thirty meters, and Geordie uh, is usually the guy they use to get the long ball. So it made sense that they would send him after either of those two to try and stop that long clearance kick, and it trapped New Zealand in their half for long periods of time because they just did not have the boot to get out of their half. 
which is something I can go back to the island game. You guys were, you could very easily just get it too low and uh, you could exit. But to, to have um, us shut down Geordie just was such a good way of staying staying in their half and keeping the pressure on. So no, Peter Steff de Toy, still a legend. He has one good game every four years and it just happens to be the most important one. <laughs> There's, there's that side of it as well, I suppose. And as well, Jordy Barrett didn't have his best game in mm. Twickenham against South Africa. And they obviously seen something in that as well, as well as mm. the clearing kicks. But maybe yeah. it's, you felt like sometimes he was taking an extra second on the ball. It could have been something as simple as that as well. But mm. granted, if if you have even Etzbeth or Peter Steffi Toy chasing you down, you might take that extra second to make sure your body is in a safe position <laughs> because otherwise you're going to get absolutely smashed. Rian, there was other standout players as well. So is there anyone that you want to bring up? Um, Dion Furry. Um, I mean, that is insane. To come onto the pitch as a makeshift hook. I thought when we lost Marks, our World Cup was done. I thought that was it. To have a man who is as almost as old as I am um, come back from years of playing in France, going through who knows what kind of damage over there, come back very low-key, join the Stormers. All of a sudden, he's, you can't ignore him, um, plays for the box, and then captain South Africa in the final for the final 20 minutes playing hooker, which he hasn't played for 10 years. That is, for me, legendary. That is like a cricketer playing with a broken hand or or a tennis player with a cramping calf muscle or something, that is um, going to go down for me as one of the best performances ever. I don't think anyone can really have any be- real um, beef with that. I understand there will be people here who are like, well, the lineup didn't go well, but yeah. picking Dear Faree as your sub-hooker, you are yeah. kind of saying it's not all about the lineup Because if it was, they'd have called up someone else. Maybe Johan Grobler at, at the Bulls or someone of, of that ilk. Um, now but New Zealand's lineout was also struggling. I think it was maybe, a I don't know if it's a weather issue or something, but both lineout, um, there was a few losses and steals. So, yes, uh, I think it would have been better had Bongi stayed on, but um, yeah, both sides did struggle, I think, in that, that area. And Faree played like an extra backer on. That's essentially what he is. You know, that's, yeah. there's yeah. that as well. Hugh, yeah. have you anyone to, to add to the list? Um, we have Peter Steptoy, we have Dion Faree. Listen, this this podcast has always been a back row appreciation society. So if you want to add <laughs> another back row, you can. I was actually going to add someone else. Um, someone who isn't a back row or even a forward. Um, Aaron Smith, I think it yes. shows that he he is arguably the best scrum half of the professional era or of this century. I know that's a very big call, and I'm sure uh, a lot of people are very enthusiastic about their love of DuPont, which is completely correct. He is phenomenal as well. But Farid Aaron... Dupre as well. Don't forget Farid Dupre. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Mike Phillips, you know. Uh, but... <laughs> if we're going to say Mike Phillips now, we can't not say God. You're Harry opening up with a very broad <laughs> definition of best. Ever. But, uh, Aaron Smith, for me, you know, the... the the new hipster opinion in rugby, which I normally don't like, but I am a fan of this one, is that Aaron Smith is a better scrum half than Antoine Dupont. And I kind of, it's a bit like how Bowden Barrett is a more, stay calm, Caelan. Bowden <laughs> Barrett is a more skilled player than Johnny Sexton, but Johnny Sexton is a better 10 than Bowden Barrett. I and agree, I yeah. think 
Anton Dupont is a more um, has a wider skill set than Aaron Smith, but Aaron Smith is a better scrum half. So I, I, for me, and this was his last game. Was it his last game ever, or just his last? I think you might. I think it's his last test. He's going to Toyota or Blitz or whatever their Uh, name is. Get that millions. Yeah, get get the money, get the money. Uh, uh, yeah, he's he's phenomenal. Uh, top passer in the game, which maybe isn't a surprise for a scrum half, but with 81 passes and the next top all black was obviously Moanga with 26. Just shows how much he was bossing the game and he was in, in charge for that all blacks performance. And I think they'll they'll miss him a lot. And I think taking him off when they did, maybe they might look back on that as a mistake. They could have looked to keep him on for the 80, to be honest. Yeah, that was something that we mentioned in the preview as well. With um, I actually can't remember who mentioned the preview. I think it could have been Jamie Wall or, or or Harry Jones, one or the other. But it felt like it could have been a case that you keep him on. He dictates things, especially when to no fault of his old Richie Mwanga hasn't been in a game of like of this nature ever. Like last week was a cakewalk, and he did well against Ireland. To be fair, mm. but they were always going to need Smith if they were going to win. And he he just he grabbed the game as you said he was really really good really accurate and especially when Mwanga had a shaky first twenty minutes like after that hit from Etzebeth he didn't look himself they needed Smith to step up and he did and another man who I throw in there I'm surprised no one mentioned him is Erdi Savea like I mean yeah. World Player of the Year candidate anyways but he was brilliant he was absolutely brilliant um Hugh you probably have a couple of of stats to back it up but. So like if anyone was going to muscle it for New Zealand in the forwards where we had question marks about them, it was going to be Savea. And he did for the most part. Yeah. You, you do you want to jump in? Yeah, top carrier in the game with 29. Uh, 29 carries? Cup, yeah. <laughs> wow. That is, that's uh, even better than I well, thought. <laughs> second on the list, probably someone who's gone underrated in the game as well, Mark Talea, 21 carries. Kind of mm. stepped in uh, where Sam, Sam came came off he got talked about a lot in someone who was stepping up to be that extra forward at times I don't know if I'd quite put it that way but and he got targeted as well with the cross field kicks from uh, the box a lot and mostly got away with it I don't think well I mean the box didn't score a try so that tells you that they managed to contain it one way or another but yes surveyor so world player of the year has been since it came in in 2001 has been a World Cup winner every year apart from 2011, where it was I think Ardi Surveya might be the second player to not Ooh. win the final Ooh. and still be the player of the year. Just because you even was going me off. exists. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd have to go with that. <laughs> to be, uh, to if, be if fair, it wasn't a World Cup year, I would say Surveya could walk yeah. it. But it's a bit winning a World Cup and the way he's been playing this last. The the knockouts he carried us through these knockouts. If it wasn't for him, he, we wouldn't have beaten France. We wouldn't have beaten um, England. I think uh, it has to be. It's a bit. But saying that, Audi Surveyor, um, he always when the rest of the New Zealand side looks to be at eight out of ten or seven out of ten, he's still at nine, and that's when he really stands out. You can really see this man is an incredible rugby player. And it showed last night again, those ball carries of his where he's screaming with people hanging off of him, just using the power of rage to keep going through the tackle. Um, it was, it was evident again that he was trying to carry this team to victory on his back, which is something he did last year as well. 
Um, and yeah, no, if, if, if it's not it's the bet for me, yes, definitely. Ari Sevilla is, is player of the year. Yeah. I, I personally, I thought it's about benefited the knockouts that James Well wasn't there to carry him. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I did notice Le- that. Literally. <laughs> I, I did notice that about, about Sevilla, particularly as the end got up. And then it was matched in turn by the, the box. And I was really surprised that there wasn't a fist fight at certain points because the ferocity, not only of his carries, but then their involvement with the rook. I just, I was like, the fact that this is, that relative order is being maintained is incredible because the absolute, like vicious is, is, is too harsh word, but like for just absolutely ferocious. Um, it was more than a battle of bodies. It was a battle of wills. And it was just incredible to watch. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. Just before we move off from this game, this incredible final, just want to touch on where you thought that, again, there's probably a hundred different fine margins. You think of even the bounce that doesn't go into Savea's hands at the start of the game. But start with yourself, Free, and where do you think South Africa just got enough of an edge to and I'll I'll say it just just to make you a little bit happier to take home that fourth William Wellers Cup. I say it say it all the time. Um, yo, it's a hard one to say. I think it has to be discipline, um, general discipline from from New Zealand. They have been carded uh, in recent times, especially against us as well. I almost knew it in my gut that there was going to be a card that would cost New Zealand. I thought it would be Barrett Scott. Because he has been yeah. a bit happy, I thought when I saw Fravel, Frizzell fall on Bongi's knee, ah, there, there's the red card that I thought would happen. But no, it was Sam Kane. He had um, another I bad moment that... as well, not long after coming on, that could easily have been looked at and yellow carded if he wasn't already yellow carded. Yeah, yeah. So I thought it would be. Uh, it's. I, I don't see it as a ref thing. I see it as New Zealand putting themselves under pressure. They do something too with too much fervor or they're trying to impose themselves too much on the game and they just get too far across the line of the law. And I knew if we put them under pressure, that would happen. And and it did happen. So I think it was a discipline issue was what, what kept us in the game. I think we did give away more penalties than them, but they were less, um, you know, telling in the long run and, and we kicked ours. They didn't kick theirs. It was, it was two to one in the end, five penalties to 10. At least according mm. to World Rugby, but wow. yeah. that it didn't feel like it was that lopsided. I suppose South Africa gave away a few near the end. It was yeah, mainly a, a clean, yeah. a clean game for the most part. And again, that's where you have to give credit to Wayne Barnes that he kind of balanced things out quite well. He didn't. He didn't go very whistle happy, which a lot of referees would in a game like last night. Yeah. How many games have we watched that there's not thirty points scored in, and it's just penalty after penalty after penalty. Yeah. And it wasn't. And that's that's good refereeing. That's experienced refereeing to know that you can let a couple of extra things go, even in a game like that. Do you want to um jump in there, Hugh, about where you saw it being won and lost as well? Because yeah, discipline's a big factor, but there's there's probably a number of other things we could mention. It was it's such a close game, like I said. It's difficult to put your finger on one thing. Can I say see a Khaleesi factor? Mm. Just yeah. Um, just something about the, the heart of South Africa. It's it's intangible. Here I am with my big page of stats, and I can't pick out one that says why it was one way or another. And I'm I'm being like the whole passion merchant thing. But they're just with all the with all the vibes 
and all the videos and things that the box's been putting out and you could see like that video when Lacanio Am came back into the camp and Sia greets him or the videos of Sia leading them and singing a song or something there was felt like there was one of those every week uh, or him lifting up Jesse Creel in the air and that getting all the engagement that it did uh, online it's just something about the warmth and the love which you know you could say is almost juxtaposed to the 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 things that Razzie is willing to do and say in the name of winning, winning, and then you've got this foil to him in his captain, who is all love and all heart. Um, just that seemed to just be the di- the one difference that I could say between the box and the All Blacks is that the All Blacks just don't seem to have that side to them. And maybe that's their character. Maybe they're steely. Maybe they're the bad guys, and that's who they want to be. And that's fine. That's mm-hmm. valid. But yeah, that's the intangible. Is I'm going to say Sia Khaleesi. Good one, David. Do you want to jump in now? Yeah, well, I think it's something um, Rianne kind of touched on as well. Is that you know I said New Zealand or sorry South Africa know can can win matches by scoring tries or win win matches by taking their points, and they seem to figure out what's necessary very quickly. So, despite that stat of only getting only getting five penalties um, to to New Zealand's um, 10, they still scored, you know, they still took them when they needed to. And I think, to be fair, you could say New Zealand's style is more to play for tries, but I, I just think the box are they are able to very mm-hmm. quickly analyse the game. And I don't know if they do it in pre-match analysis of themselves and the opposition, or if I would credit them with being able to figure it out on the fly, that they, they're just able to look at the game, okay, this is what we need to do to win, this is what we need to do to make sure they don't get the chance to win, and then and then go forward from there. No drop goals, though. That's one yeah. thing that we weren't... There was enough there. attempts, though. <laughs> yeah. I think it was four from us. <laughs> yeah. I think everyone one... saw what Owen Farrell did and thought, oh, yeah, come on, let's let's have a go. <laughs> they seen Johnny Wilkinson in the stand and thought, let's one-up this guy. But <laughs> 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 not quite. Um, I, I try to think what other parts of it that you could kind of bring in. I do think discipline was huge. And I said uh, on the day... and. Someone did make a good point. This New Zealand team have a tendency to blow you out the water or try to F you up physically. Mm. And when they do it physically, they do toe the line in terms of discipline because at the end of the day, they're not being punished for half of their season. They are at international level, kind of, but then there's the old New Zealand mystique. Um, As someone then also said, they had three red cards up until 2017. Um, in like the 70 years or 60 years before that they've had one every year since like discipline is mm. you can't afford to be that not headless because players this day and age aren't necessarily headless but that loose in international rugby and not in a World Cup final but I think if I was to nail down something I think just South Africa's we, we spoke about just knowing how to grind it out knowing how to get the job done but you also have a South African team who have enough warriors and enough of the old dog for the long road kind of about them that when it gets tough you have someone like Quadra Smith listen it was probably a hands on the rock penalty that probably should have been given but that's a different conversation but lads like that even coming off the bench lads like Snayman did really well off the bench um, Dion Faree as we mentioned bringing on LaRue to help see things out and then experienced starters experience wins more test games and this ability to play cup rugby wins more test games than anything else. We've said it for the entirety of this tournament. 
And that's what South Africa do better than anyone else. Hugh, you want to jump in? Well, I just, uh, in the background, I Googled the 2019 team that won the game. And you're, you're on directly to your point there, the team knowing how to win. So that 2019 starting team, uh, obviously Beast wasn't there, but you got Umbanambi, Malherb, Etzebeth. It was the exact same back row, uh, exact same halfback pairing. Colby was there, Dialende was there. So same 9, 10, 12. Am wasn't obviously there and Mapimpi wasn't there and LaRue was on the bench and then Marks, sorry, not Marks, Kitsoff and Snymer were on the bench as well. So the way they've managed to keep that team together and it's basically the, mm. you know, 75% of the team that won the last World Cup. Whereas I think on the All Black side, Bodie was obviously there when they won the last one. Aaron Smith would have been there. Um, White Lock. I'm kind of, White Lock mm. and Retellic, yeah. I'm kind of surprised they, mm. that Dane Coles wasn't involved, I have to say. Maybe that was a mistake because his experience in that game might have told. That, that was one that was flagged as well before the game. That Especially for New Zealand, we did feel like if it was tight going down the stretch, if they were bringing on Finlay Christie, um, if they're bringing on Takiaho, like granted Christie versus Roy are not exactly both very experienced, but even McKenzie going to 10, they didn't have the same level of experience as a South African mm-hmm. team who I'll hold my hand up. I thought maybe they had gone past their window to win a second World Cup, but maybe they'd just gone one year too far. But obviously, I got that one incredibly wrong. Um, but to be fair, Mike I Brown actually that. said once, sorry to to fall in your Mike Brown, been? you know, English English fullback, he yeah. said, um, um, I think they were playing, it was during a Six Nations window and the Holocons were fielding like a team of 34, 35, 32, 36 year olds in their back line. And he said, people forget that sports science has moved on since 2003. You know, um, players of 31 and 32 years old are no longer the creaking bones, arthritis ridden old men from the nineties. You know, a 31, 32, 33 year old these days is equally as good as a 28. 26 year old um is and and south africa is anything if not into our sports science um we've got massive things in stellenbosch that are dedicated to keeping rugby players going for as long as possible i mean siakolisi came back after a meniscus tear i mean it's legendary now four months or something and he was back so yeah we 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 shouldn't discount that Yes, we've got a bunch of 30-year-olds in the squad, but they are not the 30-year-olds from the 1990s. These are now much better prepared athletes. So we, I, I've always thought with that team, we have a chance. I'm actually surprised the English team wasn't as good as well. They were also in that final and they were younger. Um, so, yeah. I could give don't, you don't a few started. reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I think you could give you a couple of reasons and I could give you a couple of reasons that are more, dare I say, narrative-driven analysis. But, <laughs> listen, that's, that's but just... if, you're, if you're going by results, they're one, they're one penalty kick away from Pat Degas yeah. in that final. Two minutes. <laughs> so it's, it is, you know, uh, yeah, and I, look, but... I don't think, I don't think anyone would argue that the two teams are on the same level, but you got to give credit where it's due. That was a team that I have no expectations of going into the tournament. And they ultimately ended up going out kind of where you'd expect them to. But like, man, they, I, there were a few old heads in there. You know, you got people like Ben Youngs, you've got, well, Farrell's not as old, but he's still at the upper the upper end, and and they. Yeah, yeah. was in that final. Yeah. Polo was in that final. Curry, all those guys. Yeah, but, but they, then at the they, same they time, they probably gave them a much better account of themselves than I would have expected them to, yeah. even if the end yeah. result was the same. That. 
Yeah, and you and I, David, were on the call after the Ireland-England game, and it was pretty bleak thinking of England at the time because Ireland yeah. were... They weren't even in third gear, and they bet them out the gate, and Wales only got to third gear, beat them in the Millennium Stadium, and, and so on, but they got the job done in, on their their route. Someone did put up a stat, though, and I think this is where it's it's telling, is, you know, England didn't beat a single to- team in the top six. Scotland didn't beat a single yeah. team in the top six. New Zealand won one out of three games against teams in the top six in the world. And those little things do add up because it just shows that, uh, realistically, if we're being entirely honest here, South Africa, Ireland, France, it was always going to be one-score games. And I think... New Zealand had to hit this incredible marker to take down Ireland. They were going to have to... Okay, they didn't have to hit the same heights if they were to beat South Africa, but they probably would have had to do it to beat France. The familiarity factor helped them against South Africa. There there just wasn't a lot in it. And yeah, South Africa deserve champions, but not a lot between any of these teams. Yeah. Will we move on to the tournament then? I think this is a good place to... To leave it, uh, I mean, we can talk about the final all night if you want, but you know, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll talk too. about it later in the week. You'll, you'll, you'll see. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, that that'll be enjoyable. People subscribe to Rian on YouTube if you're not already, but if you're at all leaning towards supporting South Africa, I think you'll you'll enjoy what he has in store. Um, so it it's been. Listen, there's, there'll always be people who knock it. But I thought it was a, a very good rugby world cup as a tournament. I think. It was the best tournament of my lifetime, in in my own opinion. Um, in terms of the rugby on display, the shock results, the moments. So we might just break it down in a couple of ways, and I'll I'll start with David, and we'll just go around the room. We'll start with the game of the tournament because there is probably seven good choices How do we choose? here. <laughs> yeah, out, out of forty eight games, I think one in every three or four was a classic. So yeah. I'll, I'll let you go first. God, it's a, yeah, it's an incredibly difficult one to make. And like we've done the shortlist and they were the predictable games between the, you know, the, the four heavy hitters, France, South Africa, Ireland and New Zealand. Um, you know, I, you know, you'd have to admit going back to look at it in, in hindsight that New Zealand against Ireland, the quarterfinal was spectacular. Obviously really enjoyed Ireland v South Africa in the pools um, as, as just a, a test case from both teams. But um, you know what? I'll just swing from the fences and go and go back to first principles. I thought um, uh, Portugal's win was brilliant. I thought they played phenomenal rugby for a team that I, I think most of their players aren't even professional. And to see not only their performance in that, backed up by their their draw and their almost win against um, Georgia the previous week, I just thought that's what you want to see at a World Cup. And I think that's as much as the record set in the final and, and and the big wins on the big days. It's it's days like that that are going to help to grow what is in a lot of the world not that definitely not a, a first place sport uh, in people's minds. So I just thought that was a phenomenal performance from a, a hell of a team that I hope we see a lot more of in in the next few years. I think I have the solution for you. We should create a world league that only a handful of teams play in with no promotion relegation. That'll, that'll definitely yeah. take Portugal that would be so happy to play against other teams in 2031. It'll be yeah. amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and like a player like Nelson Martins, who was one of the best players of the tournament. Like, what's he, 23 now? He'd be 31 then. Like, you are, this is... When you put it in the context, it's like Iron is hot. 
Yeah. yeah, or wait until the iron is lost and you have to go <laughs> buy a new one before you go and change anything. <laughs> Rian, I, you've spoken about in, in your YouTube videos and on this podcast about the different games, but maybe <laughs> away from the final, <laughs> just for obvious <laughs> reasons. What, no, what was I, your game of the tournament? I hate wet weather rugby, so the final and the semi-final will never be my favorite game. Um, I, I, I do not like them. I like winning them. It's it's a very tough choice for me. The Island South Africa and the pool stage was incredible. The Island New Zealand game was also just as good. But because um the Island South Africa game had no real bearing on how our tournament would go, you know, it's it's nice to win all your pool games, but it doesn't really matter that much. The New New Zealand Island game was brilliant because I had no like, you know, personal stake in it. It was just pure entertainment. It was like one of the best films you ever see or something. But for me, I think it has to be France, South Africa, because I had that personal involvement in it. It was still dry weather. I mean, it was raining tries for that those first 20 minutes. I, I didn't know which way was up. Just seeing France do their incredible up the middle attack and then go wide to score and then our just like we hadn't shown that before the crossfield bomb to Peter Steff or, or Eben standing on the wing you know I haven't seen us do that before and it being so effective three times in a row and then being behind coming back from behind and winning uh, for me it was France South Africa that was an incredible I think that's there's a couple of games that live in the memory and I think that's definitely one of them. Hugh, mm. where would you like to go with your game of the tournament? Well, was Wales with, my Wales, with my Wales hat on, which I actually, <laughs> actually have here. Um, quite literally a Wales hat. Quite literally. Um, I'm going Wales-Fiji on the first weekend. Um, the the drama that was through that game, because that it wasn't maybe the highest quality game, or it obviously wasn't as high quality as the quarterfinals between those those four teams, but that kind of added to it as well because you had the moments of someone making a mistake and it really having consequences and you got your head in your hands. You go, oh, what is he doing? Obviously, the way it ended with Radraja dropping the ball in such a painful way, such a legend of the game, could have yeah. um, really made some made a historic moment in Fijian rugby and maybe world rugby then. And just it literally slipped through his fingers and that that's something that I'll always remember. And Wales did play great rugby. You got the shot from um, Josh Adams on Ravita Murder as well which was epic um and it was a game that had consequence because if wales had lost that game psychologically we're in a completely different place for the rest of that pool and i don't know whether we top it whereas win that game you could see in the players that was like all looking at each other going okay we are we can do it we are a decent rugby team and i think even fiji could take a lot of heart from it of you know they scored four tries in that game it was both so it was four tries each it just came down to the place kicking, really. And like I said, the last moment of the game. So with my incredibly biased um, hat on, which I've taken off because it's too small, um, <laughs> I'm going Wales-Fiji. Can't argue with any of those. I, I should probably throw in, unlike Rian, I do lot like wet weather rugby. Maybe it's the Munster fan of me. Um, I, I enjoyed, I, I know it wasn't raining for Ireland, South Africa, but it was played like a, a tight game. I enjoyed the final last night. I thought it was a fantastic final. I really enjoyed um, France against New Zealand on the opening night. But mm. 
I, I feel like Ireland, New Zealand is the one I should say if I'm going to go Ireland. But I have to say Ireland, South Africa because, listen, <laughs> we all remember where our wins. We'll remember this loss. Don't don't get me wrong, but I have to remember the good days as well. That was remarkable. And then as well as that, Portugal against Fiji is is up there. You know, Fiji, Wales, as you said, Fiji beating Australia. All these, they're all incredible. Pool C was was the pool to to make us feel pure. I I think it was, <laughs> and then the rest was more for it shows well, what rugby could be if the field was more level. The playing field yeah. was more level, you know. And pool D was if I could turn back time. This is what this is the rugby <laughs> we'd be playing, <laughs> apart from Japan. Um, oh, that reminds me, that's going to be my try of the tournament. I'll get an unsung hero from you next. I'll start with yourself, Ryan. It could be player, team, coach, whatever. Mm, I think uh, maybe he's not as unsung. Um, in my country, he would be Nicolas Martins from Portugal. They're seven, they're back rower. Um, being a Lions fan from South Africa, we had this player called Warren, Warren Whiteley. I don't know if you guys ever watched much uh... Super Rugby. When we went to the final three times in a row, it was on his back of 20 tackles a game, massive chase down tackles, beautiful hands. And, and, um, he, he was one of the last passes that sent Yanti over when we beat New Zealand in 2018 in New Zealand. Now, Nicholas Martins is Warren Whiteley reborn in Portugal. That man is an incredible rugby player. Um, when I saw him the first time playing for Portugal, I couldn't believe what I was seeing. He did not miss a tackle. I think there was one game he made 35 tackles. Um, he attempted 35. I think he made 31 or something like that. He's an incredible player. I, I, I hope to see much more of him in the future. Absolutely. Uh, David, who's your um, unsung hero? On some is a is a hard one to do while also being a hero, particularly with a, a tournament that was this um had this much attention on it. Um I got I got the one maybe that I, in my own ignorance, was not aware of that I should have been much more aware of. Um I'll give an honorable shout out to to George Ford. I thought he's had a he's he's been let down a lot more by England yeah. than he should have been. He's you know, um if you want to talk about player dropped for the next shiny thing, that's not to do Dan Mark Smith, good player, but George Ford. Oh no, we understand where you stand. That's <laughs> not, that's I'm sending this on to the Quinns fanboys who come after me about the Joe comments. You just want them to go after me for a change. Um, yeah, yeah I thought tiresome. I thought George Ford, particularly with that opening game against Argentina, because I think a lot of us thought going into that, okay, this is it. England are going to suddenly fall apart here, and George Ford just stepped up and went, "Hey, you remember drop goals? Let's make that a thing again." And I, mm. I thought he was phenomenal. But from my perspective, a player that I had, didn't really know as much about, possibly because I don't watch as much uh, rugby championship, um, I really thought for South Africa that a massive difference maker and defence never gets as much attention as attack, despite how incredibly important it is. I thought Jesse Creel was just phenomenal the whole way through the tournament. I really remember him from the Ireland game. Oh, I'm so glad he's getting love finally, that man. <laughs> he single-handedly stopped two tries. Now, one of them we ended up going over in the corner with Mac, but like Johnny Sexton's almost over the posts. And suddenly having, I think, initially missed the tackle and gone for someone else, he just finds a way to get back and, and scrag him and bring him down. He stopped Hugo Keenan getting across the line earlier in the match. And then to keep a player like... Now, I know he only joined the squad later, but to keep a player like Lucano Ama at the thir- uh, 13th shirt, it's just nothing short of incredible. So I thought for a team that, you know, if you're going to win a tournament like this, the points you don't concede are as, impo- 
as are as important as the points you do concede. And I thought Creel was just incredible um, and definitely deserves to be up there with, with the greats in this team. And I, if I was going to say South Africa and defence, Quadra Smith is probably another that would that would jump in there. Like a lot of people, and myself to a small degree, I did rate him as a player, but a lot of people did say, oh, that's a sign the bomb squad isn't what it was because Quadra Smith is, is the replacement back row. But again, just tackled everything, did his job effectively well. And that's what you want to see. Um, who's next? David, do you want to go there? Just because just because you mentioned Quagga, um, I, I said I was out with some friends watching that game. And I, I, I'm i pretty sure it was him. There was a, a tackle on would have been New Zealand's left wing. Someone else tackled the New Zealand oh, player. Yeah. And Smith will join and win helicopter. Helicopter. Oh, and then suddenly Quagga <laughs> Smith has the ball in his. He took it as Will George was being lifted up. Quagga Smith oh, just yeah. goes, I'll take the ball there. And I, for a game that had a lot of reactions, and like I said, there were a lot of um, South African fans in the bar. There were Irish fans, there were fans from all over the place. It's just everybody around me is going, I've never seen that happen before. That's incredible. He literally just went, I'll take that. Thanks. And then off you it was it was incredible. So yeah. The only thing I could ever compare it to was, and I thought about this last night, was in 2008, Munster played Gloucester and Rua Tapoki hit one of the Gloucester midfielders, but he hit him so hard and square that when they hit the ground, Tapoki somehow had the ball. I don't know how it happened. No one, you never got a proper angle, but it's the only thing I compare it to. Where you, like, I know Smith was more of a, yeah, I'll have that, thanks. But he's, just if, you, weird... if you watch a bit more rugby championship, you'll see he does one of those a game almost. It's a specialty <laughs> yeah. of his. He rips the ball at least once a game. He just, there's like four guys and then he comes out with the ball somehow. I don't know how he does it. It's one of his things. It's not quite you... the same, but you talk about helicopter. There was uh, an, an under-20s game between Wales and England, and it was Harrison Keddy who now plays uh, for the Dragons against Matt Prothero, who ironically now plays for the Ospreys. And Harrison Keddy picked... The size difference is ridiculous. Like Matt Prothero is like nine stone or whatever it is, and Harrison Keddy is obviously a big back row. Harrison Keddy picked him up one arm, one leg, and threw him like a Frisbee across, <laughs> across the rugby pitch. So... And he only got a yellow card for it, so like fair play. <laughs> but that's um but unsung heroes, I kind of feel like uh pool people in pool C like Portuguese players and things did get a lot of uh aren't singing. Um so I'm trying to pick the most obscure person I can think of, and I'm gonna go for Matsuda, who was the ten for Japan. Mm. Because in this World Cup we have seen what a difference a number ten who can kick their goals makes. And for Japan to even be within a shout of getting out of their pool going into the last half of the last game against Argentina is almost entirely because of Matsuda and his goal kicking and his ability to to keep his side in games. You also saw a similar thing with William Havili, with Tonga as well, kind of, although Tonga got some big score lines put on them, they kind of were more in it than they deserve to be in a lot of games because of uh, Havili like as the well. the Ireland game, for instance. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And Havili had been playing fullback all year for Mono Pacifica and came in and um, did a great job at 10 for, for Tonga. So I'm going Matsuda just as someone who, in terms of percentage difference they made for their team, probably changed their fortunes on his own. Yeah. That game between mm-hmm. Japan and Argentina actually could also be one of the games of the tournament. You know, that was a brilliant, um, brilliant match. Yeah, it was it was brilliant for reasons that we wouldn't attribute to 
Ireland, New Zealand or France, South Africa because it was it was just wide open and harem scary, yeah, but it was it so was very fun. enjoyable. Yeah. Um Hugh, have you a favorite moment from the tournament? It's so hard to pick. Yes, um Willem's there calling the scrum on the mark. Oh, yes. Changed rugby. Changed rugby. <laughs> now now every time I see a player called the mark and he doesn't opt for a scrum, I'm like coward. <laughs> if you score a try from the mark, like go down the field and score. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That has changed rugby. Now the way I watch it is if a player takes a mark, I immediately look at the situation of the game and like, okay, what makes sense to do here? Is it make does it make sense to call a set piece? Does it make sense to kick it out? We didn't call the scrums last night because uh guess what? If you come up against good props, you do not incentivize <laughs> us to scrum for penalties. So how do you fix the incentive to scrum for penalties? Get better props, Mr. Williams of of Scotland slash Australia. <laughs> I was just about to say, I can't believe Hugh picked such an immoral favourite moment, but I think <laughs> really you've kind of beaten me to that point. David, have you a, a favourite moment from the tournament? Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to say it very quickly because my computer might be about to shut itself down. But... um. Yeah, uh, and this is completely personal. I recognize it's it's very, very uh, green-eyed, but hell, I was there, so it meant a lot to me. Um, I think a lot of people would have, well, a lot of people in Ireland recognizing the contributions of the man would have liked to see uh, Johnny Sexton go out on on the highest of highs. And I was in lucky enough to be in Nance um, when he scored his try against Tonga, and I was right behind the goal. And he scored that try to, to, to break the record. And, and to just see a guy who's played so much of his rugby career almost like he was a little bit angry. He was just ecstatic. Like it, it was the kind of happiness that you love to see in players and to see it in someone who who hasn't, I think, always been able to enjoy it as much as he should, despite how uh, accomplished he is. Um, it was just really nice to see that he recognized in that moment, this is a great place to be. I'm really lucky to be here and I'm, I'm really happy to be here. So that was my favorite moment. Ireland had a few, to be fair, you could go on about Zombie, which was stolen by Ireland from Munster, now stolen from Ireland and Munster by South Africa to, to sing about. <laughs> it is to to be fair, like it is, it is a bit of fun. That's what sport is about in its own way. Uh, Rain, I'll, I'll let you say winning the World Cup is your favorite moment, but have you favorite moments? Well, uh, Hugh did mention Siakulisi. Um, any, anytime that guy was behind the mic was a favorite moment, um, for me. Uh, today, was it today? It was, maybe it was yesterday. He was interviewed by someone and asked, um, why he plays and stuff. And he said, um, people have died to give me the freedom to play this game. And, um, it would be, you know, dishonoring their memory if we didn't give everything we could to show people that they can play this game as well. If they put the work in like we do. And that line was just like, yes, there is everything I want new, modern, post Rasi, um, South African rugby to be before Rasi was stodgy, was old white men sitting in brown, brutalist buildings in control. No. Rugby is for this group of people in this country. Um, post Rasi with with Colisi, um, it, the face of rugby in this country is so different. The party last night would not have been half the size it was if it was still the previous type of rugby um, culture in our country. And and I 
I think that's Sia. And every time he speaks, the whole country just, there's more fans of the game. So for me, it was him. Yeah, that's, I mean, every time Sia Khaleesi speaks, you you Mm. find it hard not to be blown away. Like even his interview, of all the interviews he did, the one he did with S4C last night, where he goes and he mentions Wales will be fine. They're going to be led by Jack Morgan and it's going to be them in four years time who are going to be one of the teams to beat. And it's like, I, like, I love Johnny and Peter Mahoney and, and most international captains are graceful, but very few would make that comment in, in victory or in defeat. And to know the first thing he said after the game when they interviewed him on the world feed, when they interviewed him and they asked, Sia, how do you feel? How's it to win? And the first thing he says, first, I want to give credit to New Zealand. Those were the first words out of his mouth. There's very few captains that But at least they, they put up a proper fight on, on like four years <laughs> yeah. ago. Yeah, but listen, that's that's me going a bit too far. I, David appears to have dropped off, um, not off the face of the earth, and not by the Quinns fans for coming after Marcus Smith. I believe it's just <laughs> a, a tech it. issue. Yeah, they they were coming for me, but Dublin was way easier to find. To be fair, <laughs> I'll, I'll start off the try of the tournament. I'm going to go with Vacatava against Argentina because I'm someone who loves a good front, a good forward kicking the ball. Mm. But to do a chip and chase and to beat, I don't know who the covering defender was to the corner and to race in 50 yards is just... Uh, listen, forwards forwards are athletes too. <laughs> and and, and <laughs> that just reminded us that they're every bit of an athlete. And it was amazing. If I was being selfish, there's probably one or two Irish ones, you know, maybe the ones well, against Scotland. Ireland, if there's Crowley one thing Ringos. Ireland does is they score beautiful tries. That's for sure, yeah. They do. Probably Crowley teeing up Ring Rose against Scotland, kind of because it was Scotland, kind of because it was Crowley, mainly because it was Scotland. Um, <laughs> so that'll be right up there. That was something that was in my head last night. I don't know if I said it to you, Hugh, that no wonder New Zealand lost. They had a Scotsman on the bench, <laughs> you know. No, you didn't send that one to me, no. Oh, okay. Don't, don't drag have. me into this. <laughs> <laughs> I sent you someone. That's the question. Is who? Um, Rian, we'll get your uh, we'll get your try at the tournament. Um, it's I know you're gonna love this. I know what game it was and what country scored it. I cannot for the life of me remember exactly what it looked mm-hmm. like. But Scotland scored against Ireland a worldie of a try from their that own was... God, who was it? The horn? I, I think so. I think the nine went under the post right at the end of the move or something like that. I'll go. I'll have to go watch it again. But that one, just to stick it into you, Cullen, just uh, <laughs> so you know, no, they can do. Uh, but for me, I think it is biased. But the pure determination of the South African team to get Eben Isabeth over the line so we could get into the lead against France because uh, we were dead and buried. He was off the field. He came back on, and you could see. They called a system. This is what we're going to do, and we are going to get over the try line. And it was just work, 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 work. Maybe not the most beautiful move in the world, but pure determination and grit, as you call it, to get over that line. So for me, it was it's a bit saving our World Cup against France. That was pure brute force in mm. its finest. Hugh, have you a favorite try or try of the tournament? It, it might have been, it might have been, and I can't, I can't remember exactly who scored it again. But it, the one, 
France against Namibia, the one where the French were doing all of the the one twos and the between the three of them and back again with the basketball passes. Yes, you have to take the opposition into account, but that was just look how yeah. good we are type rugby, <laughs> and it was it was incredible to watch. But well, I'm actually going to go for Pat Pellegrini's try for Tonga against South Africa, just because that was typical of what we were kind of talking about. Tonga of had no rights to be giving the box that much of a game, really. And um, obviously you got this guy who plays for Coventry in the English Championship, wasn't even in the original squad, got called in and does the ship and chase. And it's one of those like you could you were like watching it going, no, he's not. Surely not. It's No, it's going to go wrong any second now. And when he chipped it and then it bounced and it bounced back into his hands and he went over and like, oh, my God, this has happened. I think the, the commentator on ITV knew him or knew of him and was like, a Coventry player has just scored for Tonga in the World Cup. So <laughs> that that's my favourite try, just for this sheer shock and delight of it. That's a good one as well. David, can you hear us? Can you give us a try of the tournament if you're... Yeah, I can hear you. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah, um, I I was very quickly looking back over it because there's... Sorry, it was a great World Cup for tries. But there was um, one try both for the, the actual try itself, which was a really nice piece of play, but for what it meant in the context and the moment it kind of was in the match, I'd have to go with, um, I think it was Nicolas Freitas's try against uh, France for Uruguay. Because it's in, I think it was the fifth or sixth minute of that game, plays in France's half, and uh, I think Echeverry is the Uruguayan um out half just delivers this lovely little crossfield kick, um, hops just in front of uh, Freitas. He boots it ahead of himself to get around the last French defender, picks it up and, and dots it down. And, and suddenly Uruguay, um, you know, this, I think a lot of people's favorite team, but not a team you'd ever expect to to be humbling. Um, one of the, the great powers of rugby are suddenly leading France you know, one of the tournament favourites in, in the World Cup. And I just thought that is a brilliant moment. And it went on to be um, a brilliant game. And I, I think the the impetus of those of that try is, is probably what helped Uruguay to, to really scare the hell out of France. So. Yeah, so I, I can't disagree with that one at all, to be honest. Player of the tournament, I feel like we should do a, a short list of some sort. I don't know how, because <laughs> kind of like last night, there's a few to choose from. Probably go Etzvet, um for South Africa. If we go one per country, Etzvet for South Africa, uh, New Zealand, Sevilla, obviously. Well, <laughs> I, I, I can't believe that Will Jordan hasn't been nominated for World Player of the Year. I can. No, I, I, I really can't either, to be honest. The fact that it's only a four-man list is kind of what's wrong with it's it as well. It's a short one. Wasn't it like yeah. six people lost? Yeah. In a World Cup year, only the World Cup performance matters as well. It doesn't matter that what what, what some players might have done for their clubs in Europe or what um, mm. Jordan did for the Crusaders and things. It's clearly all just on who was the yeah. best player at the World Cup. And like it, that came back against... A couple of people in years gone by. I, I think they've changed it slightly since, but I remember Conor Murray in 2017 was unplayable. It could have been 16, could have been 17. He was unplayable. He was Ireland's best player. He was Munster's best player. He was unreal. Didn't even get nominated because he basically he missed a couple of Ireland games. So they kind of felt like, oh, he hasn't played enough, despite mm. the fact that every time he was on the pitch, he was a man of match contender. 
And there is these flaws with this system. Only having four players on a World Cup year where the champion could probably have two or three. France could yeah. have two or three. Ireland could have two or three. New Zealand could have had two. Heck, even England or Scotland could have had one if you really wanted to, if you wanted to support the tier two nations. So, <laughs> you know, like I, I, I feel like, yeah, it's a bet, Sevilla for the two finalists. I don't know who you put in for England because I feel like it's just Ford or Farrell as like a joint effort. Ben Earl. Courtney Laws. Ben Earl, actually. Yeah, Courtney Earl Laws. or Laws. Mm, for me, it's Laws. Um, Argentina. Earl was a funny as well, who went from a player who was like a kind of a, a symbol of ridicule for his cheering, um, you know, uh, crooked lineouts to then being like, oh no, this guy is actually pretty good at rugby. So yeah, <laughs> that, was, that was a nice little redemption art for him. Nice little, yeah, redemption is the word. Argentina, Carreras, probably. He's good, yeah. Carreras. The winger, um, then Mateo. Yeah, Mateo. I yeah. couldn't think of which one was which, to be honest. That's why I just saw him jump in. Um, Ireland, Bundiaki. Yeah, definitely. Like that's to be. obvious. Bossia for Fiji. Wales, well, Jack Nia Morgan. as well. Probably Wales, Jack Morgan or Will Rowlands is another one. Um, I thought, I think he's established himself as a world-class lock now. And but yeah, Aldrich, probably go Jack Morgan. Aldrich or Olivon for France? Aldrich for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I had this discussion during the week with someone about a team in the tournament. I feel like Olivon and Aldrich, if they've had more than two meaningful games, would probably walk in. But yeah. when they only and take play... as well, they, they yeah. look at brilliant That's true, experience actually. as well. Yeah. Well, it's, Not... it's stacked for sevens though, because you got Olivon, um, Bottia, Martins, um, and then obviously Khaleesi as well. It, it's it's um the Benner. seven is like no Benno was playing an eight, even though he is a seven. Um, yeah, he's that, that's Police is playing six. <laughs> we saw well, the number open, open side then. Open side. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, open side is like one of the most talented positions on a rugby pitch. Mm. I think good. actually for for its scarcity, <laughs> that's why I would pick Peter Steff out of those two teams because of the it's such a race a scarce position to fill. Is that proper blindside flanker bruiser type of player? Um, but uh, yeah, Martins for Portugal. Who else is there? Italy. Did they have any standouts? I, so. I feel like anyone much. who went out in the pool stages, it's hard to yeah to put them through. I mean, Angus Bell is pretty much Portugal or Uruguay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Angus Bell, Storty of Portugal, maybe, but I I would say Storty or Martins. Mm, Martins, Fritz Lee from Samoa as well, another open side. Actually, for his club. McFarlane, Theo McFarlane. McFarlane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, my. Oh. Tammy near... <laughs> Tammy Funa. Yes. Yeah. I, I know this oh, is. He was, he was huge. Like, in, like, not just in terms of how big the actual guy is, but like for a, a, a guy who just looks like he's going to be a massive bridge for a prop, he's actually like a really good. Carrier as well, like he can, yeah. he can make meters when he needs to. So yeah, he's phenomenal. So who are we? Who will we give the award to? I'll go with yourself first. Who is your player of the tournament from that long list? God, that is a long list. Um, <laughs> Christ. Um, gosh, I don't know. You, uh, you, you feel like you have to give it to someone from the winning team. I'd say, I'd say in terms of their impact on the overall game. You probably have to give it to either Steph Satoy or Khaleesi. 
I think they were they were both just phenomenal. I think it my heart of hearts, I want to give it to Bundy, and I think if we'd gone that far, just for for how much the man has brought his game up and uh touch it back actually on Ryan said a thirty three year old who's definitely putting manners on a lot of uh lads in their twenties. Um mm. but yeah, no, I'll probably go with Steph to Toy. You which way are you going? I've got no idea. I'm trying to think of who is miles ahead of anyone else in their position. And I can't really think of anybody. So I'm going to go with who I said was the first name out of my mouth is Will Jordan because he's the top try scorer at the tournament. That's my oh, cop-out stop. answer. Stop. You can't. <laughs> Only I'm sorry. Break the you can't. <laughs> he didn't break the record. He had a poor <laughs> final and he scored how many of his tries against very poor teams? Like I'm not, I'm not discrediting that he's one of the best ringers in the world, but I, yeah. I can't, I don't know if I can even accept that answer. To be I, honest with you, I think he'll be unfairly judged by how poor his final was, because he's, he is still, a very good player. Yeah, yeah. But still, though, like he was good. He scored a brilliant try against Ireland. Don't, I'm not trying to change history here, but like he wasn't great against France the first night. Was good against Ireland. Like he played well, but like I wouldn't have him in the conversation. I don't think he's New Zealand's best player. I don't think he's New Zealand's second best player. So, but this is my point. I can't think of someone who is miles ahead of anyone else in their position. Adiaki, it's a bit. What lock is as good as it's a bit on this planet right now? Tyburn. <laughs> Tyburn is a Tyburn is a blind side. You play him in the wrong position. Ah, which <laughs> <laughs> And if, if you were saying that Peter stepped to Joy, please, he's miles better. And I said, Ty Byrne, you'd say he's a lock. So I can't, I can't accept that. <laughs> no, no, I would. I really, really rate Ty Byrne as a, as a back rower, uh, not as a, not as a lock. Um, no, for me, it's, it's a bit, um, he has gone in our country. We, we ranked all our best Springboks ever last year. We did a whole like vote thing and number one, Springbok ever was for Rida Priya. And then in the top 10, I think ninth was Etzebeth. I think he might be going up to number two, three, one now. It, it was Dupria, US, and then someone else. I think now it might be Dupria, US, Etzebeth between them. But Etzebeth, double World Cup winner, changed his game to become a kick chaser recently. Um, just tackles anything, um, doesn't get tired. And you know that guy now I think is for South Africa one of our best Springboks ever. And yeah, for me, play of the tournament, easy, easy, easy. Yeah, that's a good note to leave it on. It's an it's a bit um appreciation couple of minutes because <laughs> he has been instrumental in South Africa. And at the end of the day, South Africa are champions, winners right history. So Rian will will let that be the the by <laughs> the final moment of an incredible couple of weeks because it it has been it has been amazing. It has been a great tournament. There's no doubt about that. And thank you so much to Hugh, to Rian, to David for joining me tonight, and to everyone all the way back to August. I make it about forty three guests in about forty podcasts, give or take. That's a rough estimate of, of where I'm going. To everyone, it has been an absolute pleasure. To everyone who was listening, almost ten thousand listeners across the last couple of months it has been brilliant a lot more on youtube not always positive um that's why podcasts are a little bit better than youtube <laughs> but it has been an absolute privilege to talk about this world cup one of the great world cups i think it'll live long in the memory for south africa for france 
for Ireland. Um, in some in some ways, it's been great. I'll be back with URC talk and with Munster talk. Um, but I will be taking a, a mini break eventually because it's been a lot of rugby. It's been a it's been a lot of rugby. You've done a lot. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I can't believe you've managed all of this. I can't yeah, believe incredible. I managed all this. I won't lie. <laughs> I started a new job halfway through. Um, and I thought this is it. This is the end. And I was like, no, I'll squeeze it out. Just about <laughs> got there. But that's what matters. Just about got there, like South Africa did. And as always, <laughs> thanks to everyone at home for listening. If you like what you see here, please do subscribe. You'll have the links from my channels as well as the lads' Twitter pages. I should always say, go follow these lads. Hugh has just broken the 1000 mark. Rian, did you make it? Good. I think you did. I did. Yeah. It, big up. Um, Jared Wright shared it straight away and it was pretty mm. much within 20 minutes of him sharing it. I broke it. The South African support is always huge. Rian over on YouTube, if you want funny, well, well written out, well scripted rugby videos that unfortunately are not allowed to have actual rugby in them, but that's another day's conversation. <laughs> Maybe now. <laughs> Even at that, I, listen, it, rugby is a very fickle sport when it comes to these things. They don't want anyone to do anything about it, but Listen, maybe we're just breaking down barriers. Maybe that's all it is. <laughs> Do recommend you follow them. And to David as well, who's been on so often. Um, not as much Ruby content on his Twitter page. I'm just manage. the token Leinster supporter, but I'd love to make up the numbers. I don't think token and Leinster has ever been the same <laughs> I mean, they they are in a... Nino uh, you know, can't go there soon enough. What are they, three from seven or something? Good guys. It's, it's going to be at least a week before he arrives in Dublin because I hear oh, they're doing they, a they've already set. already been tweeting claiming him and uh, C point RFC's own Felix Jones. So you know that <laughs> <laughs> this this means I have to end it this way to Jean Klein to Orkes Neyman to Felix Jones. There we and go. Less less so <laughs> to Jacques and Razi. Congratulations, <laughs> South Africa, worthy champions. Everyone at home, I hope you enjoyed podcast i hope you enjoyed the journey of this tournament until next time take it easy sports social podcast network